I'm Mark Sylvester, Ambassador of 805 Connect, and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by Pull String Press. Thanks, Patrick, for partnering with 805 Connect and providing this great studio for these podcasts. Our pleasure, Mark. The 805 Connect project is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. We want to thank them as well. You can find more information about our partners at 805connect.com. Click on that partner link at the top and go and thank them. Well, today's guest is Ellen Reed, the book shepherd. Welcome, Ellen. Thank you. Well, nice to be here. What's a book shepherd? I mean, the first time I heard that, we, we got on each other's radar uh, earlier this year when you became a sponsor of TEDx Santa Barbara. Again, thank you for that. You're welcome. And I said, a book shepherd. Now, I want to know all about that. So I want we're going to spend our time together. I want to understand that. I want to understand you. I want to talk about why you're here in Santa Barbara and in this region. So let's tell our listeners what a book shepherd is. And the reason the words are so important is we play a game here at 805 Conversations called Buzzword Bingo. And you... Um, have a language in your business that may not be familiar to the person who's listening to us. So when I hear a word that I think we want to explain, I'll say, I might say bingo, and then we'll explain that word. So let's start with a book shepherd. Years ago, people were only allowed to print books the traditional way using an offset printer. And the way they did that was to get an agent and get a publishing deal. And then they would print more than a thousand books. And the agent would do absolutely everything for them. But the author would have nothing to say. They would just be able to give them the manuscript and hope for the best. And, and I think when the digital press first came into being, which was in the late 1990s, I met a man named Dan Pointer who lives in Santa Barbara. Right. And he wrote a book called The Self-Publishing Manual. And the digital press made it available for authors to, make, to print their own books digitally in a smaller quantity. And so I attended his seminars because I was from the movie business. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I actually, my dad was a distributor and a filmmaker, and my brother is still a distributor for Freestyle Releasing, which is a big indie distributor for indie films. And uh, advertising was my background also. So when I went to Dan's seminar, I realized I, I'm not really, I'm not a writer, but I realized that writers needed to have someone help them with the branding, the positioning, the publishing of their work if they were going to indie publish or self-publish so I would go there and they were <laughs> people were going around trying to figure out who do I hire for the cover what do I say on the cover what should the title be what should the back cover be what about the description all of that information was very difficult for them because their writers are pretty much I don't know they like to stay home and write but they don't have a lot of right. experience in the in the world of advertising, marketing, PR, book promotion, none of that. So I would speak at their events, Dan's events up in Goleta, and one day he said, Ellen, why don't you become a book shepherd? I said, what's a book shepherd? It's like <laughs> you did. He said, well, you can shepherd these authors and help them with all the very important myriad details to make the book look good and actually, and actually be um, marketable better than they can themselves. So in 1999, 2000, I became a book shepherd. I, and I started I helping that. people write. Unfortunately, we only have one bookstore left here in the region. And I loved that's being not able to... That's not true. Well, we I have Chaucer's and the, Chaucer's. The, the Book Den. On the Book Den, I'm the sorry. Book den. Two. Yes. 
right. bad. We have two. And there's also, well, what's the what's the bookstore on? Um, we have Tecalote in yeah. Montecito. Okay, yes. good. <laughs> I apologize to all That's of okay. them. That's okay. Tecalote carries the book that I published for Louise Gaylord, all of her books, Summers in Bayville. And these are all indie published books. But in order for me to be a good book shepherd, I had to become my own publisher so that I could actually do it all myself and then learn how to speak to other people and help them do it as well. So I started with Louise Gaylord and her series of books. And we're now in her ninth book. Oh, really? And she just won the bronze for Ippy. And that's, I'm very proud. What's Ippy? It's the Independent Publisher Book Contest for Independently Published Books. Oh, great. And there are contests out there like that, of which I actually have three contests, too, that I sponsor. Wow. So you're you're very busy, it sounds. Yes. Not too busy for more clients, though. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I'm just starting to write again good. a lot. Good, good, good. Uh, I found my favorite class in high school was creative writing, and I my teacher changed my life uh, in we this one exercise which is we'd walk in and there would be a word on the board and we had 15 minutes to write a one-page story that included all five senses that was about that word and we did that every single day and that was a, a warm-up a, ca- a kind of a calisthenic for us last uh, three years ago was my 40th high school reunion and they spent a lot of time connecting all of the alumni. And I said, why isn't anybody connecting us to the teachers? Because we don't really think about that when we go to a reunion. Well, I want to talk to my teacher, not the other kids. And someone, I said, someone said, that's a great idea. I said, find Mrs. Livingston. And they did. And I reconnected with her. And I told her of all my teachers that particular memory has served me all of this time and now I'm writing again so when we first met I got really interested in this idea of independent publishing and I think about the person who's listening to us right now do you think that everybody has a book inside of them no no everybody says that everybody has a book inside of them oh really okay I don't think so Uh, it's a business really and so you can write a book all day long, but if you don't market it or create it or produce it properly, it's frustrating. It's nice if you want to just produce a book for family and friends or something that is going to be a memory uh, for like people. Like a vanity press? You know, it's fine, but if you really want to produce a, an excellent quality book and you have a book inside you and you're serious about it, then it's important, even in today's world, with Create Space and all the ability to digitally publish books to understand that it is a business and has to be treated as such. So even though people might have a book inside them, they may not want to do all the work that goes with it. Does that make sense? Oh, that makes tremendous sense. Yeah. And for example, I just, I, I'm an intuitive person at, at best, and I just heard you write your dedication for your book. I heard you. You're, really? It's for your teacher, of course. Your wife so we'll and your save teacher. this tape. We'll save this tape. <laughs> All the, I hear things that people that are writing don't hear because I hear marketing. So the title, for example, the subtitle, the back cover, the about the book, the about the author, who are, who are you, and then how to publish and how to produce. So let's go back to that. I, I wrote um, a couple of words. One is the cover. I remember using to go to Earthling Books here in Santa oh, Barbara. Oh, me too, me too. And I can't tell you how influenced I would be by the cover. And now when people are buying their books on Amazon, 
how important how is how is that changed how people buy books or has it changed no no it's just as important as ever as a matter of fact more because all you see on the on amazon is a cover Mm. unless you do the look inside the book so you only get a few seconds in a bookstore or online or on a website to see what a book looks like so you see the cover the title if there's a subtitle which i hope there is or a tagline the author's name and that's all you see and if you're intrigued by that then you can search inside the book on Amazon. Right. You can flip around to the back cover and see what that says. And I actually created something all by myself um, years ago for authors who want to indie publish. And that is because people are going online so much and they're buying online right. that you never get them to turn the book over because they don't have a book to turn over. So what, right. what I've done is I've asked my writers for my clients' books to write what's called the back cover or about the book description and we put it in the front matter of the book so when they're seeing the first five pages for example they see oh this book looks really interesting that's a great cover i wonder what it's about and then immediately they can see what the book's about and then right behind that an about the author page where you can put a picture of you a little tiny picture of you and then about the author oh this looks like an interesting book i like the author here's a good description i think i'll click here so, Patrick, um, we're sitting in Pullstring Press. Yeah. And yes. you've done books. So what do you think about covers? Oh, I, I'm i just sitting over here in awe of the master. I am just absolutely Aww. sucking up everything she's saying because it's, 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 I'm just, my, my jaw, I just scooped it up off the floor when she just said that <laughs> last bit because that is so brilliant. Wonderful. Well, there's a lot to this. And people think, oh, it's so easy. I'll just go to Create Space and I'll find some designer and then I'll upload it and I'll buy three or four copies and I'll put it on Amazon and I'll hope for the best. No, that's not what it is anymore, really. There's so much more to it than that. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, our experience has been that that's kind of like having a blog. You know, you, you might have 20 people that are interested in it, but it doesn't get out to the masses. It doesn't, it doesn't reach a, a broader audience than just than just that, yeah. Oh, I want to say more about CreateSpace, if that's okay with you. Please. I use it as a printer. And so if we create a file that is beautiful in every way, which is to have the book edited properly, designed, the interior designed properly, the cover done well, the all-important copyright page, which I'll talk about if you want me to, and then we can upload it to CreateSpace and have them print on demand, that's fine. You also don't have to have CreateSpace or Lightning Source do the distribution. There are other independent distributors out there that can get your book into bookstores, even if you use CreateSpace as an on-demand printer, rather than having to go to a printer where you have to print thousands of copies. But there are printers out there who will print 200 copies or 500 copies. I like CreateSpace. I like independent um, printing, and it's, it's good, as long as the creation of the file is perfect, and that's the key. So I want to I want to go back to covers for a second because okay. I'm uh, uh, as I don't know if you know I'm a chef uh, in my one of my universes I'm a chef and uh, people eat with their eyes and I I'm so influenced by the cover of a book even um, I get given books and I'll, from my uh, from family members who read and they bring me bags of books. And I still, in my shelf, I've got all the books that have been given. Okay, I'm ready for my next one. I pull it out, and I'm just over, I'm, I'm, I'm influenced by that cover. And I remember hearing that red was the color you wanted to have on a book. And I'm curious on digital books, because now I've actually, I don't go to Amazon and just look 
willy-nilly. I'm actually looking for a book. Is there something about the design that's also heavily influences the decision to look more? The design of the book? Yeah. Absolutely. The Is there a everything. best practice for that? Yes, I hire a good cover designer. You know, the people that try to do it themselves, don't they miss the mark because they're writers, not designers. And right. they don't know how to how to work with a creative team. If you've ever been in the ad agency world, which I have, you know that in the old days we used to have creative sessions with the client right. and then get the ideas and then everybody would go back and have a shirt sleeve session and try to figure out what's the tagline, what, how are we going to best sell this, and we would do a dog and pony show in front of the client. Nobody would ever talk to the people in the back. And in today's world of indie publishing, they're talking to the people in the back. They're talking to the designers. They're talking to the copywriters. They're trying to ask their aunt, their uncle, their friends. They, they, they go out online and say, what do you think of this title? What do you think of that title? And people are so nice. Oh, that, that sounds like a very good title, but does that really mean that it will sell? So I'm a big believer in, in utilizing professionals for everything, and the professionals who do cover design know how to use color. So when, I'm a, when I have a client and I have a book, I read the whole book first. Sure. And then we talk about who's the author, why are they writing it, what audience do you have in mind. We talk about budget. And then I go out to find the cover designers that I know about that are affordable for today's world. Because the Chip Kids of the world, who, by the way, is a very famous cover designer, is not available for the indie publishers that I know. They just couldn't afford it. But there are some really excellent designers out there. But the key, what I really want you all to know, and this is really important, is that most designers don't ever question the title. If the title oh. is called Lemonade 101, I have a client who brought me a book called Lemonade 101, a motivational book. She's a wonderful writer, and she's a, a speaker and everything else. And we changed it to a life, life and Life Lemons and something, I forgot. And the cover is yellow. But the cover designer, if she had gone to them with Lemonade 101, then they would have made a nice picture of a lemon and maybe a picture of a lemon. But in this case, we did it completely differently. So working with a creative team like an ad agency would have sure, in the old days sure. is going to lift you up to a higher, higher ground. So completely off the topic question, how sad are you that Mad Men is over? Very. I, I was binging on that forever. I thought it was fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. fabulous. But I'm glad we're not there anymore in yeah, that world. Sure. You know? But, uh, yeah, it was a great, great series. When that show debuted uh, about a year later, we got our first New York ad agency as a client for Ooh. Intro Networks. And we got to go to New York and sit in the 37th floor and have those big meetings. And Ooh. and I know a Don Draper. I mean, he's become a really good friend of mine, and he's the – typically the smartest guy in the room uh, at all times. And he's the one that kind of challenges that team to come up with like that, no, that's not it. Here's the tagline or the title says, no, that's not it. That's not Good. the, you know, the, the, the real nugget of what's going on. So you're bringing years of experience. So let's pivot just a little bit. You talked about, yes, you might have a book in you, Maybe the question is, do you have a biz do you have a business in you? If someone's already the person who's listening to this call, they're they're in the eight oh five or you know maybe outside. Uh, they run a business. They'd like to run a business. They work at a business. They've got a big idea. And we're bombarded with this 
content marketing. You've got to write. You've got to blog. You've got to do this stuff. You've got to get your thoughts out there. What's kind of the checklist of three or four things from the business point of view that are questions you would ask to determine, is this person ready to really take this on? They're never ready to take it on. Because, <laughs> I'm sorry. Perfect answer. Well, they want to stay home and write. And then they want to go out and speak in front of people. They don't want to run a business. I work with a lot of doctors. and I work Doctors? With their, yeah. They want to write a book and they want to be doctors. And they want their wives to run the business. And I work with the wives. So that, huh. I mean, I work with both of them. But basically when it comes to the, the nitty gritty of it, the wives or the assistants do most of the work after the book is done. First, we produce. It's like you have to have a product first. Right. And then while we're producing, we're thinking about how is it going to go to market. And then we talk about how to market. But at that point, the writer usually, his eyes glaze over and that's it. Although I don't see him because I do a lot of work online. Right. I don't even meet a lot of people. Although they're welcome to come to Santa Barbara, which is the most beautiful place on earth, it as is. we all know. It is. Uh, look, look at today, for example. Uh, sunny skies, hot weather. I mean, it's gorgeous. Don't tell anybody. I'm not. Uh, don't you tell anybody. Can, um, I, can I ask real quick, what, what then is that? When you say you work with a lot of people online, and so somebody who's listening to this out there says, oh, you know, I have this three-quarter manuscript, or I have a finished manuscript. What, how do they then take it to the next level of an introduction to you, or how do they, how do they access you or your company? You can call me. I, I give a free, you said 15, but I give a free 30-minute phone consultation. And then I find out just what, who are they, what are they writing about, and then I'd like them to send me the manuscript and let me take a look at it. And then we talk about what their life is like and how much huh. uh, what, what they see for themselves in the future, and then we can create accordingly. No, do we want this to be a book that's going to have a big deal publicist? I know those people. I can introduce you to those people. And then um, do we want 3,000 copies or just 500 copies? It really depends on the person that I'm talking to. And then I decide once I see the manuscript if it needs a little more of a content edit. And there are people out there who specialize in spiritual books or novels or business books. It doesn't really matter. And then do they need, after that, a uh, copy line editor. You know, there are a whole bunch of different What's kinds. What's a copy line editor? Punctuation and grammar. Oh. Punctuation and grammar. Critical. I might need two of those. I would. What? I have I one would of need, those. I would need two of those. <laughs> you can have two of those. What <laughs> happens is after you write the book and we send it to a copy line editor, let's say the content is perfect, then you have to make sure that there, there are no spelling errors. You can't even just, you can't just go to Word and look. They know, these editors know what sounds good and they'll, they'll work back and forth with somebody. I don't do that part. I introduce, and then when it's over, then you're the I, shepherd. Yeah, I don't actually do the work with the editor. The client, the author, and the editor work together. Then I get it back. Then when we decide on the cover designer and the interior designer, which may or may not be the same person, it goes back to the editor after the interior is designed to make sure that the interior designer didn't make a mistake, which is possible. Okay, hold it. What's an interior designer? That's you have lampshades and fabric and wall color. That's well, every book has an interior, and I I own and sponsor and run the National Indie Excellence Book Awards, and we're going into our tenth tenth year now, which is amazing. So I get to see thousands of of independently books. Oh, I bet um, that are published that are submitted, and I have staff. And we all look at the books, and then we send it out to judges and stuff. But I see them all. If you could see some of these books that are done without people understanding, the type starts at the top, 
The fonts are, there's no spacing, it's not interesting. An interior designer will will design a book so it's got a little design at the top, the, 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 the typefaces work, the chapter heads, the, and, and the all-important layout of the book, which I don't know if you want me to get into that at all, but that's critical too, what the title page looks like. That there, is there an orphan page? We're mimicking or working as though we were a big publishing house and creating a book that's independently published by you that looks like a big house did it, and there are ways to do that. Oh, I just, I was, I, the, the word readability came into my head as Absolutely. you were talking about that. that when you flip that book open, it needs to feel like uh, a professionally produced book that, that, and, and that's not just the printing quality, but that is the, that, that's the that layout. layout. The layout feels like, oh, this is the pages start and stop where a page should start and stop. You should stop. see some of the books that come in where yeah. uh, the chapter starts on the left. Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> you don't want a chapter to start on the left. That looks like somebody has no idea what they're doing. Which they. Chapter starts have to start on the right. Okay, now I'm reading that book on the Kindle. How do you, where, where's, what's interior design on the Kindle now? Oh, I'm so happy you asked that. People are so confused about what the difference is. It's the same. <clears throat> the file's the file, the file. So when you put the book up on Kindle, the chapter starts on the right. It looks just like the file. It's just converted to an electronic e-version, that's all. And, um... The people that I hire to do ebook conversions, they watch everything and they make sure the book looks good and the cover is right and the interior looks good. It's not a Word document, it's the book converted to an ebook. Fascinating. What's, uh, what's the most popular font for books? I like fonts. I studied uh, 30 years ago at City College. I took a typography class. They had typography back then? Well, we used Letraset. <laughs> oh, sure. Which was uh, rub-on letters, and you had to learn how to rub-on letters. Those are highly coveted now by graphic designers because you can't find them anymore. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, so what's the when, – when we're thinking about fonts, because readability is so important, right, In especially online because people are – they don't spend the time. One of the reasons we do this podcast is people aren't reading. If we did, if we took a transcribe this, they wouldn't read it. But they'll spend forty-five minutes listening. Thank you very much. Thank you very much again. No, because the people that I hire are, are one of the men that I work with has been a typographer for twenty-five years. Very serious. Uh, I am very serious about the look of the interior of the book. So I get three samples, and then we bring it to the client. What do you think of this? What do you think of this? What do you think of this? And then I have a client now who's writing a book called Gibraldi, which means nothing to anybody, but in it is a black Scotty dog. She loved her black Scotty dog. So we decided to put the black Scotty dog at the top of the chapter heads oh. so, so, and, uh, so that she would like that. And it would be interesting, and it would kind of bring the book together with people who are reading it that would say, well, what is, what is the Scotty dog for? But, so we listen to everything the author says and then design accordingly. I work with the book designers very, very tightly. When you get that manuscript and you have that 30-minute conversation, I'm sure there are criteria that you're going through in your head around marketability, and you're also probably trying to test, does this person understand what they're getting into? Yes. What makes, in your mind, what is success What's business success? Let's talk about financial. Business success for an independent publisher. You know, a book is a business, number one, and a business person is a business. So the book has to look as good as the person who has the business. When the person is speaking, for example, 
or wants to speak, having a book is a step in, a leg in. If people know, oh, he has a book, and they see the book, that's a better reason to get a fee, I think, for a speaking engagement than somebody says, well, I want to talk to you about X, and, um, well, do you have a book? Or what about a website? Are you blogging? They want to know that. And so to be hired as a speaker, as a business person, the book is a ticket to ride, in my opinion. A legitimizer. It builds out that footprint to show exactly. that you have that you could, you know, like like a degree proves that you were able sure. to go to school for. The nice thing too about it, for uh, from a business standpoint, for the author, is you can sell the book two ways. You can sell it at the back of the room, after you're finished speaking. Sure. Oh, I'd be so happy to autograph your your book at the back of the room, or you can sell it to the meeting planner in advance at a discount, and he can give it to everybody in the room. So you, they do that a lot. Is a that lot. common? Oh, very common, because people with books are important. Very, I agree. Very, very important. It's not a hobby. I want to bring that hobby thing up. I have a, a man who entered my contest, and he called me to see if I'd help him with a little bit of marketing. And we talked about it. He said, I have a real problem. I said, what's the matter? He said, I went to my CPA, and I wanted to, and I told him all the money I was spending on my book. And the CPA said, well, we can't allow that as a deduction. And he said, why not? I said, be he said, because you're using your own checking account, your own home address, everything is all yours and to the IRS it's a hobby so oh. so if you're going to be in this business start a, an imprint by you can actually go to a local paper and do a DBA sure. as you and have an address that's not your house and get your ISBN numbers, your Library of Congress control numbers, your uh, publisher's cataloging and the publication part, numbers the stuff and put it to. all in the book and get a checking account and pay all the bills through that, and then it's a legitimate business. And you can do it with one book, one book. You don't have to have a whole publishing company and take on people and pay them royalties or all that, just one, but do it right. So let's go back to this: the business of the book. I've heard it said that a book is a $10 business card for a really a speaker to get a $20,000 speaking engagement and that to not expect to make any money on the book. It's just that credibility piece that gets you the speaking gigs. So that's what percentage of people write are doing the writing for that because what they really want to do is have a lucrative speaking career. They, most of the people really care about what they're talking about, and I don't, I don't agree with that. If you're going to do that, you might as well do what I saw at a seminar I attended recently at the LAX Weston. And there were people there that had this thing called Itty Bitty Book. And they made a little teeny four by five book. And it wasn't there was no spine on the book or anything. The fonts didn't matter. And they sold it for $10. And that was one about dieting. I even bought one. So, But that's not, a, that's not enough to entice a meeting planner. You need to have a real book for a meeting planner. And why not? Why don't you want the world to see it? We're in a time now where you can go online and upload to Amazon. You can have your own distribution. You can uh, get out there and speak. You don't have to have a meeting to speak at. You can speak online. You can do a, sure. a webinar or sure. a podcast or whatever. And if you have a book, that makes you real. What? So let, I want to talk about that I mean, even more because I, I know that's true. Uh, my wife has written two books. I remember uh, being in the elevator in Hawaii uh, when we found out that she, for about 20 minutes, was number one on the um, business books on Amazon for about 20 minutes and then got bumped. Uh, it, was a, it was a technology book back in the day. Um, 
And that is a huge credibility thing. It didn't, I mean, it just, it's nice to have on your CV. Absolutely. How much work is it? If that's what you're doing it for. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't believe I'm going to make any money on the book itself, but that's a gateway activity to, you know, legitimize my business or legitimize my point of view, get me a TED talk, get me whatever that is. How much uh, time and how much money is it to get that first book done? That's a very Average. interesting question because most people don't realize how much money it costs. Yeah, that's yeah. And it's really important. It's like anything else. You can uh, stay at the Bacar or at the Four Seasons, or you could stay at a Motel Six. It's it's the difference between excellence and ordinary. And people who don't know what they're doing don't spend a lot of money on the team. But the people who do know what they're doing will spend money on professionals. It's like if you go to a doctor and they diagnose you in five minutes, people forget that they've had all those years of schooling. Right. And if you try to do something, if you're a, an author that's an author of a cookbook, and I've seen a lot of cookbooks, and you try to do your own cover and your own interior and your own everything, and you don't understand the business, it's really better to have somebody who's a professional help you with it so all your years and expertise and everything becomes a book you're very proud of and so in order to do that it's not a dollar fifty as I always like to say you know and if you want to indie publish you're going to start your own press you make all the money at the end you make the money sure. from Amazon you make the money from uh, Ingram with the distributor in the middle but you don't have to have an agent 15% fee in there and you don't have to have a publisher's fee in there you control everything and then it and then when the money comes in a little bit is taken out, and you get the rest, which I think is terrific uh, at the at the end of the day, as they say, so that you're controlling your own. But a good cover designer is over $1,500 or over. A good interior designer can be $5 a page. A cookbook, by the time you shoot photographs, is going to cost some money. Um, the editing is not expensive unless you want a content editor to help you write the book, which you don't need. So that's not expensive at all. And then you can then when you get all done, done and you have a file it's not going to cost a lot to print if you want to go to the print on demand sure. unless you want to go to a printer that's going to do a beautiful four color spread which you can get done in, right here in the United States you don't even have to go to Asia anymore we used to have to go but now there are printers out there who are doing beautiful children's books I have a client that did a great children's book called The Magic of Maxwell and His Tale she's winning prizes all over the place she's a teacher and she's going into schools and she's selling the book to the to the faculty and She's marketing like that. But don't minimize the marketing is what I want to say. But in order to market well, you have to have a product first. It's like you don't want to go to a black tie dinner where all the men are wearing flat black ties. You walk in with a bow tie. It stands out. And people who know in the book business, they can immediately tell whether the book's been done professionally or not. And even independently done professionally. It has to look good. So back to that first 30 minutes, you're listening for their um, kind of openness and willingness to accept this journey as a business and whether they're going to outsource the whole thing or they're going to get friends and family to help them or they're going to, however they're going to do that, that they, they get what that's going to be. Do they, um, do you, are you thinking about the marketability of the idea, the point of view, the voice, all of that? Is that kind of going through your head in terms of, boy, 
you know, they don't know that this is this could be really great. You know, it's not going to be one of another million books on that same topic. Do you talk about that with them? Yes, absolutely. That's my skill. And I hire a copywriter to to write the copy that goes along with what we think the book sh- is really about, not what the author thinks it should be about. In other words, we have the book, but how do you produce a book properly? You need to have professional copywriters who write things that make people sit up and take notice. Not the book itself, but the promotion of the book, the marketability of the book. I um, wish I could think of something to tell you. Oh, I know. There's a book called Mark, The Marcus Faisal Story, and Holly she called me. She was working for the foster care system. And her attorney said, call Ellen. And she decided she was going to write a book on the foster care system because this little boy had been murdered by his foster family. And she wanted to let the world know that was not the norm. And so she hired me. And it was called the Marcus Faisal story. I said, nobody's heard of Marcus Faisal, Ali. So I hired a writer. We read the manuscript. And we called it Invisible Kids. Hmm. And hmm. the tagline at the top, at the on the back cover, or in this case where we would put it inside, says, who weeps for the children? Hmm. And then you get chills, because when, sure. when the, we both read the book, and when you read the copy, I'll show it to you sometime, you just, you're just so moved that, that she is now, this was years later, she's now left her job in the foster system, she's a spokesperson na- wow. internationally, wow. And, uh, and she's gone on to other things. One of the things I want to tell you about me, though, is that I like the beginning part. I mm. like the first book mm. part, and then I'm so happy that they can go on to do their second book and their third book, because at that point, they're all set up. They have their own thing. Paying me is like going to college, in a way. You get an education. You know who the players are. Sure. This cover designer, this interior designer, this copywriter. I hold your hand through the whole thing, and then you go on to do more. There's a woman in Ojai named Ann Kate Sullivan, and she's got a company called Infinite Light Publishing. Okay. And uh, I worked with her on her first book called Sparkle and a Gift. And she is just back from Paris where she won the Paris Book Festival. Oh, my gosh. And the London Book Festival. and Because th- I recommend that they go out and submit to contests other than mine. They can't submit to mine. But <laughs> there are a lot of book contests out there. And she wrote a... I had no uh, idea. Oh, yeah. An indie book contest, too. And really? The playing field is leveled. I have a contest called the Beverly Hills Book Awards where we take a big houses, small houses, university presses, indie authors... The world has changed. It's very exciting. And she wrote to me, and she said, I couldn't have done it without you because the first person I hired was a hybrid publisher that put their name on it, just like a real publishing house would. They did their own thing. The paper was wrong. It came in from Asia. It smelled terrible. Mm. Huh. And uh, Smelt, she, A book that yeah, smelled bad. It, and, and they had to air it out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but now she's got, like, five books, and she's doing great. And she said, if you hadn't taken it, taken me on and taught me how to do this I could never have done it I wouldn't know I'm a writer so that's what I love the more I'm so happy I love my clients I love my work and uh and it's not inexpensive that's what I want to say if you want to go the inexpensive route and do it all yourself it won't cost much but to get somebody like me and not me my fee isn't that much you have to pay everybody else the interior designer the cover designer the copywriter the printer and by the time you turn around, it's an investment in a business. That's what it is. So I've, I've learned something yeah. here, this, this idea of it being a business. Um, we, we talk to a lot of entrepreneurs uh, with a lot of uh, fledgling businesses starting up in 805 Connect. And there's a, a huge, more than 50% of the businesses here in the region are like that. So we're taught to write a business plan. I'd never 
until just now thought that a writer in your world should have a business plan. It's a business. I mean, so is there a business plan for writers? No. There isn't. I mean, if there is, I don't know about it. But it, but there could be yes. because it is a business. And with a business plan, I, I have projections. I know what my costs are. I know, you know, potentially what revenue is. I have a marketing plan. I've got now, – now I'm thinking of it as a platform. So the book is part of a platform for my idea, which might include a blog and podcasts and a TED Talk and a speaking tour and all of those kinds of things. Absolutely. So it's, so it's much bigger. Except you're an anomaly because writers, <laughs> for the most part out there, aren't like you. They say, I'm just going to write this book, and I'm going to hope for the best, and I'm going to get it out there. And uh, I position them for that, but they never think like you, especially if it's a book of fiction. But for a business book, they might. They, they really might think like you, and it'd be nice if you had the ability to coach them on that, or somebody did. Well, I someone to think could, about the business. I, I don't think I want to. It's the business part. Uh, I was at a conference a couple of years ago. Um, 805 Connect sits on top of technology that we developed that gets used in a lot of different ways, and we got in, actually invited to one of our clients' conferences, which was uh, an author conference. Ooh. And it was the business of books, which I had never been exposed to before. And l sitting and listening to all of that, just it opened my eyes pretty seriously. Because uh, the good friend who got us this client and invited us out has written four or five books. He's always writing. His name's David Knorr. And he wrote uh, the book Relationship Economics, Good. which is um, uh, just a game changer for us. Our whole business is based around this idea of investing in relationships, which is he's the thought leader in the world on that. He's always working on another book, and he does speaking tours and consulting and does very well in that. So Who publishes his book? That's a great question. I don't know. I'll find that out. But anyway, I think that there is some Author 101 University is a company. Author 101, 101 University. They have okay. seminars in L.A., and I always go, and I always have a booth. And then right down the way from me is another company that's a hybrid company, which takes the money from the client and publishes the book just as though they were Random House and puts their imprint on it and then takes a percentage of it, but they don't market. After they do that, then they don't market. Well, then everybody's losing money, doesn't it? You know. Well, now the author's happy because they're not paying the same amount they would pay to do the custom work, oh, like right. with me. They have a New York imprint on it. This is a New York house. But the seminar is teaching people what to do, how to market their books. And there are thousands and hundreds of thousands of authors out there who really wish they knew how, and they don't know how, and they're struggling to find out. So Author 101 is a good place to go. Um, I'm always learning on how to market books, too, and I'm... Dan Pointer's uh, was my mentor, and he wrote a book called Dan Pointer's Parapromotion Program, and he's got 52 things you can do to market your book. Oh, great. So yeah. I'm starting to use that and to help authors, not for the full shepherding, but after they have their book, to help them decide, well, what should we do with this, what should we do with that, and um, I, it's a necessity now to do that, and I'm glad to start. Do you, do you, th I'm sorry, do you think that uh, most authors, especially of fiction, are lost in the myth of kind of the jk rowling idea of they're going to write it in the coffee shop and then the first person they show it to is essentially going to pass it up the chain until they're rich and famous from it like they don't you know what i mean like they're not thinking about building a, a platform to take it forward they're just thinking well once i get it written it'll be so great 
They wish. Right? I mean, yeah. isn't that the... the, huh. the they, that's, a, that's a fantasy. Right. Unless you get discovered, like Jane Mansfield, 100,000 years... Was it, no, Marilyn Monroe. They were discovered in a coffee shop in sure. L.A. It's the same kind right, of that's phenomenon. That's not real anymore, right? It's not real. No. It could be real, but if a big publishing house takes you on and has a is excited about it and does a marketing plan, and, and people are not running around on airplanes anymore going on book tours either. You know, some of the indie people that have a book that's about a theme rent a bus, and then they go put signs on the bus. People do all kinds of crazy and wonderful things. You know, the, the Christmas box is a great story. Years ago, this man wrote this book for his children, and he used to go to each and every bookstore and say, would you like the book? And pretty soon a publisher picked it up, and now he's got five books. That, you know, that doesn't happen all the time. And for business people, one book is enough. It's enough to get you up and noticed on the speaking tour, I think. I love that. And I want to leave it right there with how do we um, think about writing as a business? I think that's something to consider. I love the legitimizing um, that point of view. Um, I'm always thinking about how to uh, crystallize that thought, that idea worth spreading. My, my TED is showing right now because uh, that, that's a big thing that guides me and how to get really clear on that. And then I don't know that I'm disciplined enough to write a book. Uh, well, you can I'd, get someone to help you. The, the idea is going to come from you, and you can hire professionals. I know some that will work with you to write your book. Oh, fantastic. I, yeah. I love that. Well, Ellen, thank you so much for agreeing to come and, and join us My for another 805 conversation. And uh, you're definitely fascinating. I've enjoyed uh, the conversation, and you're someone that our reader would like to know better. So how do they find you on the Internet? IndieBookExpert.com, spelled I-N-D-I-E-B-O-O-K, E-X-P-E-R-T dot com. I'm a proponent for excellence in independent book publishing. Oh, I love that. Well, thanks to Pullstring for helping us create and distribute these 805 conversations. Patrick, thank you. Yeah, it's our pleasure, Thank Mark. you so much for inviting me. And I want to thank Bose for supplying these amazing headphones that feel like butter on your ears. I don't know that that's the tagline they would like. but It should uh, be. It should be. I love it. Um, and I want to also thank Cielo24, one of the 805 Connect uh, sponsors, they provide the searchable captions for these podcasts so that if someone uh, types in the word indie book publishing, this podcast will come up uh, when uh, that caption is online. So we want to thank the good folks over there. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. Mm-hmm.